Welcome to Prodigals Online, an online first approach to planting and building a cross-denominational community of Christians in Central Kentucky. My name is Brad, and I want us all to live with faith on fire. If Jesus and his resurrection are real, then let's live like it by putting faith first in our lives. Hopefully, we can encourage each other one step closer to personal love for Christ today. These messages only last about five minutes, so you can quickly renew your mind. And they happen multiple times each week to keep you going strong. Each message keeps it simple by answering a central question. Let's get started. What is our reaction to fallen Christian leaders? There is a common fallacy that the larger Christian faith is exposed as illegitimate through the failings of its leaders. Whenever a famous pastor, influential apologist, or chart-topping contemporary artist is revealed to be sinful, deceitful, or prideful, some critics are inspired to jump on the hypocrisy of these spiritual leaders. Suppose these people, who often espouse Christian moral attributes, are secretly living in secular sin. In that case, they claim, the Christian faith must be a false religion meant only to extract money and exert authority. Sanctification and righteousness are undoubtedly crucial to any Christian, and especially for the Christian in public or leadership position. Paul demands that church elders be above reproach or offer no cause to question their character in 1 Timothy 3.2 and Titus 1.7. James warns spiritual teachers because they are held to a higher standard due to their impact, James 3.1. Indeed, righteousness is essential in validating our testimonies of Jesus as our true Lord and Savior. Yet God is not limited by our sinfulness or righteousness. He intends to work his plan no matter our choices. God seems to revel in his ability to use stuttering killers like Moses, cowardly military leaders who tolerate paganism like Gideon, the imprisoned, like Joseph, the adulterous plotter, like David, those who would deny him in weakness, Peter, and arrogant accomplices to murder, like Paul, to accomplish his perfect will, despite their imperfections. Imperfection is God's only option beyond the perfect obedience of his son, Jesus, from whom God asks the most. So, we should not be surprised when another Christian leader falls. Disappointment is natural but it does not, cannot, implicate the validity of the faith. To assign the failings of a fallen Christian leader to the faith is akin to blaming the U.S. Constitution for a president's poor job. In the latter case, the Constitution provides the framework by which we should judge or potentially remove a president. Similarly, our faith and the word of the Bible provide the framework with which we correct, punish, and yes, support the disgraced Christian. Neither source is responsible for the errant representative. In fact, the necessity for the source is validation because of the tendencies of our representatives to fall, whether politically or spiritually. We see God work in terrible standards throughout the Bible, and ample evidence exists in the book of Judges. One of the most famous, Samson, is known for his superhuman strength. It's written he tore a line apart with bare hands. He lifts and moves a massive city gate. This is Superman-type stuff. 
Samson was a miracle baby given to a barren woman, Judges 13. As part of his miracle birth, Samson's father and mother vowed to raise Samson as a Nazarite, a notably pious Jewish sect known for abstaining from wine and not cutting their hair. These lifelong offerings were intended to deepen the spiritual humility of the vowed Nazarite. Unfortunately, Samson is not a great example of adhering to his birthright prerequisite. Samson's first story involves his demand to marry a Philistine woman. While intercultural marriage is supported in our current Western culture, it is highly controversial then. More notably, it was against God's law, for he hoped to avoid the negative consequences of spiritual intermingling, Deuteronomy 7.3. Our first interaction with Samson is his demand to break God's law. The first story also includes the account of the lion. The lion attacks Samson, and Samson defends himself by killing the lion. A honeycomb later grows in the carcass, and Samson eats some of its honey. For Samson to eat food from the decaying carcass heavily violated kosher laws, Leviticus 11. This is another instance of his unrighteousness. The ensuing marriage celebration lasts for seven days. While the Bible does not record it, Samson's track record indicates that he most likely drank wine at this wedding. This would have violated one of the Nazarite vows. Now, some may disagree with this interpretive liberality. However, we see future episodes of Samson's uncontrolled rage and poor decisions with women, having no regard for his spiritual responsibilities. Such an accusation is not too difficult to imagine for a seven-day party. Despite Samson's many errors, God still uses Samson to accomplish his will. Samson resists the Philistinian occupiers. Samson is regularly endowed with the Lord's spirit to gain strength. Samson has a poor track record of obedience, but the Lord remains faithful. Only when Samson foolishly reveals his source of his strength to a later woman, Delilah, does he fall on hard times. Judges 16 tells us, Having put him to sleep in her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Judges 16.19 Why was Samson's hair the key to his strength and success? Because it was the last remnant of Samson's vow still intact. Now that it is gone, Samson is left without. The consequences are tragic. Without his strength, Samson's eyes are couched out and he is imprisoned. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Judges 16.22 Samson gets his revenge as he is paraded blindly in front of his enemies and asks the Lord to bless him one last time as he destroys the building that they are all gathered in. This time, Samson recognizes where his power comes from and, in humility, achieves his God-ordained purpose. Samson was God's chosen champion for his time, but moral failings still marked him. We should not aspire to imitate Samson's ark, but we can take solace that God remained with him throughout, especially by providing Samson another chance to fulfill his original purpose. Christian leaders will fall, just like secular ones do. In fact, Christian leaders are larger spiritual targets and undoubtedly face even more temptation. It's just how our enemy works. Our expectation should be high for such leaders because their impact of the church but we should be willing to extend a large portion of grace to them when they fall because God brings good things through failure. He brings good things through each of us. 
The most blessed vow today is not to be a Nazarite, but is instead our profession of faith in God's Son, Jesus of Nazareth. So long as we can hold fast to that indestructible truth, our vow will stand and our God will not leave us. Instead of condemning the faith for the failings of our Christian leaders, perhaps we should instead exalt the source of our faith, Jesus, for being all that we cannot be that is worthy of the position. Hey, thank you for tuning in to the message. If you want to join the Substack community, you can find the link on our website, www.prodigals.online. There, you can also find our guiding beliefs, donation links, and digital worship set lists. The messages are available via email newsletters, audio podcasts on all the major apps, and video accompanying the Substack post. Please subscribe, rate, and most of all, share. Share it with someone who needs to know Christians live, work, and play beyond the walls of the church. I pray that building a community of deep-seated, loving, and authentic Christians encourages you. Until next time, take care, and God bless.